Fuck, I'm close up. Check out the face on me. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Like I said, I feel claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> this game in Roll back here. <laughs> if I move, if I move, I'm way out. If I move like half a centimeter to my left, I'm gonna end up in your screen box. <laughs> <laughs> I need to move. I'm gonna chill back. Content catch up. Hey everyone, it's Jules here, and welcome to the recording of our first ever live episode that we um, put out the other night on YouTube. Um, we have Ben Corson from the Essendon Football Club joining us on this week's show. Um, and thanks also to anyone who did tune in live the other day. We had a lot of fun. There was a few technical errors and glitches, but we think we um, we really pushed through. So this is the exact show as it came up on YouTube. So it goes for a bit of a long time, but we promise it's worth it. What is even more worth it is actually tuning into the, the YouTube recording, which is now up on our YouTube. I don't think I could say YouTube anymore in a sentence. So we're going to get to the show. Make sure you follow, like, and subscribe um, wherever you want to listen to the show and give Ben a follow on social media as well. He's a, he's a good person to follow. Thanks, everyone. Tuesday night at 8.45. Welcome, everyone. You're... It, in our um, first ever live, I'm audience all enjoying Ooh. it. Um, look, big props go out to our friend Ben here. He, behind the scenes, he's been on for like 35 minutes, just uh, trying to help <laughs> us set this all up. But um, Ben, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, mate. Clearly, I didn't do a good enough job. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just quietly going to blame Cripsy. Uh, yes. He, he yeah. tried to help me out last night and absolutely cooked me clearly. Nah, you can't diss the blame Cripsy. there, Jules. You've done well. <laughs> Cripsy's done well. We've all done well. Yeah. We're all making it here. Um, so a bit of a background to Ben. Uh, ben and I first met, what, about like eight years ago, Ben? Yep. Oh, did we, did we be there when I started as well? Like we feel like we started a couple of months apart. So, yeah, pretty much eight years yeah. ago. Wow. There you go. I feel like, yeah. You just started before me. Uh, this is at the Bombers for everyone. Um, but Ben is currently the 150th year project manager at the Bombers. Um, but he's got a background in just about everything. Um, <laughs> graphic design, podcasting, Twitch, you name it, he's done it. So, um, Ben, we're really lucky to have you along today. Um, and we're excited to get to know a bit, a bit more about you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Um, it was actually quite an honour to be here. You've had some incredible guests on this show and I've been watching very closely and, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's good to be here, mate. Uh, I have I have done a fair bit, maybe not incredibly well at everything, but I had a crack, I've had a crack at most things. Uh, That's not but, true. Yeah, uh, Twitch, well, <laughs> that didn't really take off. <laughs> it's probably going to be better than our lives still. <laughs> it takes time. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh no it's 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 been good i've loved every every day that i've worked at the bombers i've been there for yeah eight years now so i've covered quite a fair bit and you know as it is in clubland jewels you sort of pick up a quite a fair bit as you go along but there was other there was sort of things that i just wanted to focus on to grow my skill set so clubland and um i feel like the digital space as a whole there's always room to grow um you know you started out on social media and then you you've sort of went into like 
how quickly you learn graphic design of all those sort of things, Jules, you just sort of pick up those things along as you go. So yeah, I just took what I could as, as, as I did at Essendon and now I've landed myself at the 150th project manager. Yeah, you're so right. Like it's definitely about adaptability in sport. Um, it's something that we talk about all the time. It's like, if you keep doing the same thing, you're really not helping yourself. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like I was, I remember like I studied graphic design to start out with and then, you know, worked in marketing and I was working during, you know, on mat, on our match day entertainment and all those sort of things. And just, yeah, sport does give you that opportunity. It's very, you know, there's, there aren't many, um, in terms of like headcount, in terms of businesses, there aren't many people. So you sort of have to adapt and help out and chip in where you can, no matter really what. And that's always been one thing that I've driven. And I was told to, I was told that very early on when I started that, you know, be adaptive and you, you, you would potentially do well in, in sport. So um, thankfully I've been there for eight years, so I must be doing something half decent. <laughs> I think more than think half it's decent, mate. <laughs> Thanks. I mate. think it was, I think it was saying before, I think it is a testament that you continue to sort of um, wear multiple hats. Like we like to say, like you, you start out with graphic design, but you have to try all these different things. Um I think it's always interesting to find out where our guests and people in the industry actually start from. And I know you said you studied graphic design, but how do you, how do you sort of get the gig at Essendon all those years ago? Where to begin? Yeah. So I studied um, graphic design at Vic Uni uh, for two years. And then I was comfortable. I felt like I was comfortable enough to go and sort of search for a job. I got a part-time job in a little studio in Essendon. Uh, from there I landed, I'd probably say my, my first big gig. And that was at, um, the Just Group in Richmond. So they are, that's Peter Alexander, Just Jeans, Portman's, Buddy, Smiggle, those sort of um, big fashion brands in Australia. So I was part of their digital team there, uh, worked on their websites, uh, ADMs, marketing, that sort of stuff. It wasn't necessarily designing clothes or anything like that. It was more so the front-facing stuff, uh, posters in store and stuff like that. So that was a great gig. Um, it's, in a way, it was very similar to the way sport is, how you just instantly get thrown into the deep end. And you, you've got to quickly adapt and learn. Um, and, you know, before I knew it, I just thought like I could I, very quickly, like what I could have in sport, just taken on what I could. And um, from there, the opportunity arose to join the Essendon Football Club. And it was the junior designer position. And it probably sort of not necessarily took a step back. But I think if anyone had said to me while I was studying graphic design that, would you like, could you, if you offered your dream job at Essendon, uh, I probably never would have believed you in a million years, but that opportunity came up. So I took it straight off the bat and the way things sort of panned out from there, the senior designer there at the time moved on a year into the role and I quickly took over that. And from there just had ambitions to help shape the Essendon brand. And I suppose we'll touch on it a little bit later of where design is now after starting eight years ago, but from there went to the uh, head of brand and design uh worked a little bit in marketing as well uh done a lot of a lot of stuff for match day and that's the entertainment side of things led big screen uh and then from there uh, i was fortunate enough justin rodsky at the time uh, approached me and said would you like to j-rod uh would you like to head up our 150th year the the Essendon football club were were adamant that they wanted to do the 150th year properly uh they wanted to not necessarily make a statement but you know, it's, it's, there's only a handful of football clubs or sporting clubs in the world that are 150 years. Like I would say it's almost less than 10. So they wanted to make sure that they did it and did it well. So they appointed me to help out 
um, you know, first thing off the off the the first job off the that we focused on was the um, the logo. So that's where my design sort of background came in, and then yeah, from there now that this is where I am. So obviously, COVID made that a little bit rockier than what it would have, what I would have liked it to be, or what the club would have liked it to be. But uh, yeah, so that's that's how I sort of navigated my way through. It sounds it sounds like you've done like a crazy amount of I don't know like the way Jules is obviously we've never met before today but like Jules, yeah. the way Jules has talked about what you've done I feel like there's been like twelve different roles in there <laughs> like it seems <laughs> yeah, pretty it impressive been. yeah it has been it has been it's uh it, I mean it really is what it is I just I I felt like whatever opportunity was thrown my way I, I'd take it and I wouldn't say no sometimes I probably regrettably should have said no because sometimes I really didn't know what I was doing but I tried to work it out and um mind you it's not necessarily all about myself and the individual like you have an incredible team around you and without those guys in your team especially in sport you know how closely you work with those those guys um they make it a lot easier for you because it's so easy to learn off anything questions and and everyone's so keen to help each other out and, and empower each other so I was very fortunate. I had a great team around me. I still do. Um, from the from the very get go, I had great people around me that were always willing to help out, and I, I learned so much off them. I was just a sponge wherever I could. So um, that's that's sort of why I sort of adapted and, and did what I could. But it's uh, kind of hard now because I've done so much at the Essendon Football Club, and it's it's very hard for me to just focus on one project. I'm always helping out where I can or whatever. But um, I love doing that. Like it's always it's always good. But I. I'd imagine that my managers don't necessarily like me helping out where I can, but I've got other things to do. I get very easily sidetracked. <laughs> it's, a, it's a consistent thing I've I've found in uh, AFL and sport that what you're saying about your team, that you can't do it without a good team around you. And I think it definitely helps when someone like Jules leaves your team so you can get better. And I think that's, that's an important <laughs> well, that's, when I got, that's when I got my first head off role. As soon as Jules left, I instantly became a manager. So, so you, I you think wouldn't you're be right, here actually, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to turn around and say it's a common theme amongst Essendon people getting distracted really easily because that would be it. But, like, no, nah, just a fair whack. No, I mean, you can say it as well, but I just wanted to comment as well, like, I feel a bit of a third wheel here with I'm going to be um, out of the loop with all the nicknames here because you guys are going to know everyone you're talking about. Uh, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure you know who J-Rod is. I'm sure Jules would have spoken a lot about him, J-Rod. Um, Shout out, Jules. Yes, yeah, so Shout out, J-Rod. Uh, <laughs> um, and Jules, but, yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, you've worked with Jules almost as long as I have now, so. Yeah, he's not he's not a bad worker. He's a good guy. What just just back to the initial start of your career. Um, one quick point: is there sort of a quick um summary of I guess where graphic design especially was when you first started to where it is now? I know it's a pretty difficult question, but like, how have yeah. you seen it transform? I guess. Yeah, I mean, or I even now I still design quite a fair bit. Um, I'm still very passionate about design. I, I follow a lot of designers now and I've, I follow a lot of designers that are sort of breaking into industry at 16, 17 and I blows my mind where the skill is at now. I don't know what apps they're using and I feel like I'm old now saying what apps are they <laughs> using, but um, it's just incredible and it's crazy to see what they're doing and stuff that I could never imagine doing even if I had five more years in the design industry and they're doing it at such a young age, which is great to see because that never existed um, not, 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 not that long ago. So I remember starting, um, I mean, I'll talk specifically to sport because I feel like graphic design is such a broad 
um, industry. Um, but I remember starting in sport and um, a lot of AFL clubs, sporting clubs were still outsourcing their work to agencies. And uh, I remember I was probably one of the first after um, the previous designer at the time that sort of got hired as an in-house designer. And I think it was a great um, initiative by the football club because one, you do save so much money as a business, but at the same oh, time, yeah. the output of work that you you can get and and that sort of stuff and having control over your brand, which can then drive commercial opportunities um, is, is a great asset to have designers and I think businesses very quickly saw what it was like to have designers and, and like, you know, how did, how are we pumping out so much content in terms of design wise, EDMs, that sort of stuff. Um, and, but about outsourcing, it was almost impossible. Um, as you know, I think both of you would understand outsourcing can get a bit clunky and not to say that agencies don't do it. I feel like agencies have their place in terms of like big time campaigns and, and they are the best at that because they're so heavily resourced and they have all the creative mindsets to create that sort of stuff. But your day-to-day jobs um, as, as having those in-house designers is incredible. And that's basically where I was at when I started. There was, you know, we were... I remember as a couple of years went by, you'd see design jobs pop up at every single AFL club because everyone was just following the same trend and they saw very quickly how important designers were in, in, in the football club. And I can't believe how far it's come now to the point where football clubs are now almost turning into digital agencies. I remember a couple of years ago, myself and Frankie Holzer, who works for the Hawks, were discussing about, um, there was an NFL hockey club, I think, have a full-blown design uh, digital agency and they, they do that content, they do everything for their commercial sponsors, then they also take on work from the outside. So I would imagine that that's going to happen and it is already happening in AFL land. I mean, Melbourne Football Club already do it, I think. They do it really well. Um, Ryan Larkin's come over from Melbourne to Essendon. He's now instating that at the Football Club as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's right. impressive to see how massive it's grown and the opportunities there. So, I mean, and that's only in eight years, which is quite scary, to be honest. Um, you know, and then you get your... Julian Wallace's of the world that uh, just jump on Photoshop whenever they want. So as a, as a designer, you kind of you get to, can be quite scary when you walk past and see just Photoshop randomly open up to social media guys. Put that away. Uh, That's so true. Yeah, I I remember when Ben would just like walk over to my computer and I'd have Photoshop openings and like doing something. He'd be like, "Oh no, mate, I'll do that for you." <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, so I still but it is it, it's great because like you know like creating templates and stuff now is so easy because everyone has a basic knowledge of photoshop no one had that it was only us and um yeah like to, and like i said we're only talking about eight seven to eight years ago which is which is quite scary i just think it's um wild to your point earlier like that clubs were outsourcing that it wasn't common for people to be working in design in an AFL club. And that's not that far ago. Like, yeah. Imagine now trying to get a social graphic as quickly as we can turn around, but you have to go through an agency to do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, And that's, that's an incredible point. Like think about the opportunities that it's open. So like social game day graphics weren't a thing back then because Unless if it was myself going to the game, sitting alongside the social manager, media manager, exporting him, sending him to Jules, which we actually did one year. We sort of For said, yeah, yeah, we said, um, let's let's try and make quick graphics on the fly. Let's see how that how that 
you know, works instead of just updating the scores via text. And I remember I went to a couple of games with Jules and I was sitting there and I was exporting and sending him across to him. And um, like, I'm not saying that was like the most innovative thing, but like it was, it's how easy it is now back to how much of a challenge it was back then. Um, it was incredible, like just to see how easy that is now and with different apps out there like Canva and those sort of things. I don't necessarily think, you know, I think most social media people have to have a background in the Adobe suite now. Um, but yep. uh, yeah, like, yeah, as Jules said, like none of those things existed, those snappy graphics that we can get or quick turnaround sort of things because you're not going to be able to brief an agency at halftime saying, hey, this is score. <laughs> What's your turnaround time? <laughs> you you watch the game? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to, I wish there was a segment on worst Jules Photoshop jobs. Oh, there's so many bad ones. Uh, Yeah. Don't worry. Worst Jules Photoshop jobs and worst Jules social media campaigns. We could do a whole. I know know you enjoy, I know you embrace the bad Photoshop of like paint, but I want to know ones you actually stuffed up. Like you were trying. (laughs) I want to get into bullying (laughs) territory here. Actually, there was one that um, we do talk about to this day, and it was quite quite incredible. But Jules was a great designer from the get go. Um, I will I will happily say that, and he did understand quite a fair bit about design for someone who never studied or anything. But um, he ended up using a reverse colored logo on like a background or something, and I remember the logo was basically blended within the background, and that stuck with us as the designers as a very funny joke for quite a long time. And Jules. To this day, Jules obviously learnt a lot about that and, you know, the difference between a keyline logo or just the logo that uh, you can just put wherever you want. <laughs> just uh, just stick with the logo set that designers send you. Don't try and do anything fancy with it. <laughs> if you, yeah. I'll, I'll get creative and invert this on photo. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what it was. It was like it was underscore blue. It was underscore M version or something like that. And he's like, oh, this looks cool. I haven't seen this version before. <laughs> Oh, that oh, is fantastic. Dear. One more one more story from the past that I remember is I came to Ben and Frankie with this idea for a social ma- uh, media campaign that was like, um, I'm going to fucking lose it just um, talking about it. But it, it was for the start of the season and it was like, is it March yet? <laughs> I remember briefing it into Ben and Frankie and they just turned around, like looked at me and they said, no, nah, it's not March yet. And just went back to work. <laughs> but then just gave me this little hashtag to put on everything. And then I put it on cause I was stubborn as fuck. And they just send it back anytime I'd like um, post something They just screen grab it send it back to me and be like, still not much, mate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, I'm sure someone's used that campaign before now, so I reckon you might have been ahead of your time there. You know what I'm trying to say how much we used to empower each other as teammates and stuff, and the first campaign you pitched to me and Frankie, we just completely shot you wow. out. Right? <laughs> I needed yeah. that, though. Yeah, it's a growth. It sounds like a growth uh, learning learning moment. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. Like, yeah, it's incredible how far designs come in this, uh, in the last yeah couple of years in, in general, but as a whole since I've started at the football club. Um, Benny, you touched on this, 
bomber supporter from growth. Yep. I guess from growth. Did you have a real <laughs> what? From growth. I was going to say other you. You meant birth, so I had to pick you. Yeah. I had to pick you up. Sorry, from birth. I can't speak yeah. normally. This is no, also throwing me. So I'm listening to Zoom through another set of headphones, and I can hear myself talking, and I'm trying um, to get used to it. Not to make excuses. Live stream things. But anyway, Benny, bomber supporter from birth. What was your biggest like, fuck, I'm here at the club I love, in the sport I love, doing the job I love moment? Yeah. Um, I was quite fortunate when I first started. I was saying this before. The first week I started the Essendon Football Club was, uh, it was Anzac Day week. And as I said, I was always fortunate to have good teams around me. And I remember it was Alex Stewart and Shane Potter who are currently still in football clubs at the moment. Um, they just said, look, just enjoy this week. Um, it's an incredible week to be a part of. So, you know, just, you know, sit back, relax, rent, hammer you too much. We'll take you down the race at Anzac day. And it's kind of pinching myself. This has seemed a little bit silly to, you know, just literally go from a design studio straight to, Anzac Day race, watching the the last post and 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 walking past your you know players that you absolutely adored. I love the football club. Always have supported the football club. That was probably the biggest moment where I was like, "How have I got here?" Um, sort of thing. And then it was quite crazy because then I had to go to work on Monday, and they were like, "Okay, well, you've had your good week now. Here's 17 briefs to go get done at 5 p.m." <laughs> uh, but it wasn't that. It was uh, it was it was that was one of my biggest moments. But to be honest, the the one of the, the the all time biggest moments was when um the previous senior designer there took me down to the hangar and Joe Watson introduced me to himself and welcomed me to the football club and that was sort of like a sort of step back crazy moment when I was like this is crazy um that was sort of like where I was like how have I got here uh, and then the first sort of design job that sort of just completely um was uh like mesmerizing for me was probably um i've done so many that um would probably be when i got the opportunity to work with adidas on our first anzac day poppy sash which was a quite incredible opportunity and something i'll forever be grateful for um but yeah are we in a nascar race yeah so that's the sounds of coburg <laughs> it's really a dingy jewels drag uh, yeah. yeah, so that was there. There probably two moments that will always stick with me. I mean, I've had an incredible amount of opportunities at the Essendon Football Club to do a lot of things that um, I hope I've done well. I'm not sure if I have. I'm, fans usually like telling me if I have or haven't done well anyway. So, um, but it's uh, yeah, it, those are the two moments that will stick with me for a long time. Yeah, I think Anzac Day is a moment that no one ever forgets if yeah. they're yeah. part of it. Like the pin drop silence is just huge for just standing wherever you are. Um, and also, I think um, I've got actually got your poppy seed um, jumper hanging up here. Uh, there you go. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's still there. Yeah. It's one of the ones on my wall. Um, I reckon you did that in the year I was leaving and I was like, oh, yeah, I need that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still got my first one too, which is great. Like, yeah. yeah. Incredible opportunity. I've got such a cool thing. <laughs> it's all right, Bucks. Um, I guess one thing that we asked uh, Ben Lawson, who's also been on the show, not to be confused yes. with Ben Corson. Yes, incredibly confusing. Incredibly confusing. Um, but Essendon is a traditional brand. 
Um, did you ever face any pushback when you were trying to bring in new things in like, and bring the brand into the modern era? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we touched on this before and it will sort of make sense now, but back when the football club was a brand of its own and brand was sort of what the football club does or, you know, what they sort of look like in the media or on field and stuff like that. And then when design comes into play, there's sort of like two levels of brand and it's a brand as in your design creative sort of brand and then your brand of, of how you represent yourself as a business or football club. Um, I remember very early on, and Evans was saying, "Oh, Jules has cancelled." Continue anyway. Push on. <laughs> yeah, push, push on. on. Uh, I remember that you know we're saying that agencies, when you brief stuff out, it's very hard to have brand control because not every time you're getting the same design or anything like that. So once designers came in, that's when you actually you know were able to get a grip on your brand and, and sort of create something that was you know aligned to everything. So I think as a designer, you're always going to get pushback. Um, I think it's it's one of the most hardest challenges and i think it's not even necessarily designer and box and jewels you're probably the same here but just being a creative mind um you, you do get your pushback uh i think you've got to pick sort of your the opportunities that you know you can you know either show off your skill set or or get something out of or enjoy it or create a folio piece um and not sort of not get bogged down and the ones that you don't necessarily have the opportunity to you know challenge yourself or challenge the business um Getting pushed back is, is quite a common theme anywhere, I feel, in the creative industry. Um, but uh, I can't remember specifically one, one job where I felt like I've been pushed back, but there's been multiple times where I've been devastated where, you know, you come up with an incredible creative idea and then it, it's very quickly shut down. And I was chatting to um, our new digital agency manager at Esteban Oz, who actually was funnily enough studying with, I was speaking to him the other day and it's, as a designer or a creative, if you come up with multiple ideas, it's usually the idea that you dislike the most that gets up and then you've got to run with that. So um, pushback is, uh, yeah, that's that's where pushback hurts the most, I think. That's it's a really interesting common point. idea. <laughs> Sorry, Bart. Sorry. No, just the point about the least, your least liked idea or your least liked concept is quite often the one that comes up. And I think what you were saying then is something that I probably found one of the most difficult thing or interesting thing about working in sport because yeah like naturally you're a creative person if you're in these type of roles and you might think something's really good and that's it's all subjective so like even if you get pushed back on these things and it doesn't come through it can be frustrating because you're just like well like I still like it and I still think that would have been a real winner but you've just got to sort of yeah pick your battles I think as you said 100% and like Bucks you would know there's so much content that you'd capture I'm just going to assume, and I'm pretty sure I'm right here, but your you, your video and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> I was going to say, it was, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I like you know, I mean, at the forefront, at the end of the day, we have to represent the football club. It's not about what we think is a creative yeah. is the right thing. You've got to make sure that it's right for the football club, and that our fans are going to be responsive to it, and that you know we're not necessarily offending anyone. But at the end of the day, we everything we do and everything I've ever tried to do is for the football club's best interest. Um, I've always held that with me from probably not the get go, but you know, two or three years I learned that. But Barks, I'm sure you multiple times would have had some incredible content filmed in the can, but unfortunately there's a whiteboard in the background that might have some game plan or someone swore or media are like, no, we can't release this or whatever. So 
you know, I think us as, as, well. as creators and you guys as video guys, like I, I feel like you could create one of the most incredible documentaries with footage that never, ever, ever, ever see the light of day. But that, that goes back to saying about um, jobs that sort of get shut down or whatever that really, really hurt because you just like, you'd love to show this to everybody. But unfortunately, sometimes it's just not the way. Yeah. One of the best things I now do is I don't care what angle I'm at. I just go closest to the whiteboard as possible to avoid it because <laughs> it's going to ruin me. Yeah. 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 The things you learn along the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you deal with that early on though, Ben? Like that, um, that kind of pushback on some of your ideas because you obviously matured and like learned how to deal with it, pick your battles. But in those early days, like for new designers in the industry or anything, would you have any tips? Yeah, absolutely. I think Bach's almost touched on it there. Like he doesn't now, he now knows not to film things. It's like these little things that you overlook when you're doing some sort of creative content. You know, you you'll just film this moment and unfortunately, you know, someone's got their butt out in the background or something and then you've lost that whole thing. But Bach's has probably now switched on more saying not filming that whiteboard or making sure that that, that thing's not out the background or quickly manoeuvring himself to sort of capture the moment. And it's similar with me too. I, I sort of, I feel like you just, you'll just naturally learn along the way what will work and what won't work. And to make sure that you still challenge yourself, still challenge the boundaries, push the boundaries, but make sure you do it within a, a particular way that you're not, you know, either offending someone or, you know, you're doing it for the right interest of your business or your, or your football club. Um, and, and yeah, I think one of the biggest things and, and the biggest piece of feedback that I gave to Benny Lawson very on was pick your battles, uh, pick your jobs that you know that you're going to take very far, but necessarily don't also, you know, sometimes it's not going to work out the way you want. So, you know, just get those one that get those jobs out of the way as, as quick as you can, but and there will definitely be an opportunity around the corner where you can then, you know, express your creativity or anything like that. Um, that's probably the best piece of advice that I could ever give as a designer um, or, a, or a creative in general. I think that's good advice as well. Any young aspiring designers, um, <laughs> learn from said, mate, the dumb shit young. that we've done. <laughs> yeah, the dumb. <laughs> but those designers now are a lot better than I ever was. So I feel like my advice probably won't go that far. <laughs> You never know with these Gen Zs or whatever the yeah, fuck we're true. up to. Yeah. <laughs> it's still like it's still like things like you can't teach these things that you pick up on unless you do it. So there are still things that you're not gonna get the benefit of through new technology or apps. Like do actually doing the job for um, a certain amount of time will teach you things that apps can't. Is my inspiring message out of that? I think. Absolutely, Bucks, and yeah, I mean, you you will you will you know. Without even knowing it, you'll be doing things that, um, you know, you you normally wouldn't have done a couple of years ago. So don't don't overthink it too much. You'll naturally just become better. I feel like just you know, they, practice makes perfect. And that's such a cliche saying, but it really does. Um, and Bucks are probably, you know, just you saying out loud that you you try to, you try to clear, steer clear of the whiteboard and stuff. It's probably something that you haven't thought about when you're doing it but when we actually speak about it now it's something that you've called out and shules i'm sure you're the same as well i'm sure there's things that you know you 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 very quickly adapt to um especially in sport and how quickly it moves as well yeah i think sorry, um sorry i think like also last point on that like as creatives we also challenge ourselves uh each other sorry so often um and we always think we know the best of <laughs> 
like I'll tell Bach something about a video, but what I've always got to remember is that like his creative vision is something different to what mine is and working with other creatives, you, you learn how to do that a lot better. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's the briefing process in general, isn't it? Right. So someone yeah. comes in with a great idea and they've got this picture in their head and they want you to execute it, what they've got in their head. And as a designer, you've sort of got to unscramble that and make sure you get it as close as theirs as possible. Naturally, you're not going to get it right every single time. So you sort of have to find a leeway there that you're making them happy. You still get to do your creative, you know, your, your creative outlet. You can still achieve that. And then, you know, from there, like you've, you've got to sort of plead your case to be like, yeah. oh, I promise you that this is exactly what you, you need and you want. And they're like, no, but the logo is too small. So can you just make it bigger or <laughs> the logo is inverted? The yeah. yeah I'm off. I knew someone was going to say that. <laughs> Uh, where's the comic sans in this and those things? So yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it is it is definitely um there's a, there's a, definitely a sense of psychology to it all. Um, just be, well, just to wrap this bit up the chat up. Um, if everybody if anybody's wondering why the hell or what we're going on about these whiteboards, it's because often whiteboards have a lot of information that um footy department doesn't want it out, whether that be game plans or whatnot. So. That's why we're talking about whiteboards. It's not like we've yeah. got this weird fear of uh, whiteboards. <laughs> whiteboards. <laughs> it's actually a good flag because I just bought it out of nowhere. That's I was just talking about it like everyone yeah. knows about it. But yeah. <laughs> um, so, Ben, that's sort of the graphic design part, but uh, really excited to talk about this next bit because it's it's not some, something everybody does, but you made a documentary. Um, <laughs> talk, us, talk us through the very start. Like, talk us what it is. Uh, the name of it, where we can find it, and I guess where the hell you started. Where do you even start with a documentary? <laughs> yeah, I, I was saying before, like sometimes like I, you can get yourself into trouble and I feel like this is definitely one of those moments where I was just becoming <laughs> and saying yes to everything. And um, as I said, it also it also accounts to the people that are around you and I was very fortunate to work with a couple of incredible people from the very beginning of the documentary. And I'll obviously touch on that as I go, but Justin Rodsky, as he used to be at the football club as the chief market officer said that Dave Barham um, from channel 10, one of the channel 10 executives said that he was super keen to get involved in creating a documentary that no football clubs ever done internally before. Um, and it was as blatantly as simple as we're going to get as much asset and talent as we can. And we want to tell our fans every single story that no one's ever heard. And, Ideally, the purpose of it all was really to just create a Bible for the football club. So Dave Barham um, grabbed that, drove that um, with Justin Rodsky and uh, Neil Kearney wrote the script for the doco. Um, and then Kirsty Brown uh, edited the, the doco in the end, but I've probably gone a little bit too far down the track there. But basically the idea was to create an hour and a half documentary. Um, and as I said, it was just to, to create the stories of the football club that's been told from our fans and, you know, as, as some great Essendon players or just in general, like sporting players pass on, might, some of them might not have these opportunities to sort of tell these stories. So it was great to get all these stories in the can. And I remember a moment that I'll forever take for me in the Essendon Football Club was the first interview we did was with the great Jack Jones. Um, and we sat in that room for an hour and 10 minutes. And I quickly called Neil Kearney after, or we actually left the room because Neil Kearney was interviewing, but I chatted to him and I said, 
I have a feeling this documentary is going to blow out from more than just an hour and a half. If Jack's basically, we could have just made a documentary on everything you just said. And we had about 78 to 80 more um, people to interview. So uh, yeah, so that's how it all started. Um, I think, you know, the documentary had its ups and downs in terms of like it was COVID impacted pretty heavily. Um, it started out as that one interview we interviewed Quite a few people, Doc Reed, Harold Lambert, Jack Jones, Noel Allenson, we've all passed now, but, um, you know, they we had all those stories ready to go and then COVID sort of impacted. It was COVID was starting to ramp up and um, we just wanted to make sure we could get as many, many more Essendon people through the doors. So then we just continually just reached out to everyone and said, do you want to tell your story? And and, and we'll sort of shape it together. Um, and Neil Kearney did a fantastic job of that. I was in awe um, at, what, at, at how he approached every... Um, interview I sat behind the camera um, and and Noel, Noel Jones uh, filmed the documentary and then he you know they they together they were just incredible and and the way Neil structured his questions and what he got out of every single lesson person that got interviewed was was quite impressive um, from there we basically sat down and said we need vision to all this stuff so AFL media were very incredibly helpful there um, in getting the vision, matched it all up. And Kirsty Brown worked at Magic. Neil was in, you know, during COVID as, as best we could. There was a lot of Zoom meetings. Dave Barham was across it the whole time and, and like I said, drove it incredibly well. And some of the stories that I heard in those rooms, I'll, I'll take with me to the grave. Like, they were incredible and that was, I was feel very fortunate that I was part of it. And, and it was one of those moments where I was like, what am I doing here? Like, I studied graphic design and now I'm, I'm helping pull this project together. So while I didn't necessarily have, um, you know, I, it's not something that you could ever prepare yourself for. I just managed the project and, and it was because of the team that um, pulled it together that, that created this piece that I'm very proud of and, I hope Essendon fans got a lot out of it. Um, I was, we were sitting on it for quite a while there and it was uh, quite fasc like fascinating to see how, how it came together. And I remember the first night watching the doco um, at home when it was actually live. Uh, it was, I got quite emotional. The first episode is emotional as it is, but it was sort of like a relief that fans got to see it. And I was so excited for them to hear it. And I think what the most important thing about that whole entire documentary is that um, you know, we always we always say it at, at the SM Football Club, and I'm sure this is the same at Carlton with you guys as well, but, you know, football clubs have this incredible gift to be able to continually tell stories, um, no matter whether it's off the training track or our history of where we've come from or past players, or if you ever meet a past player walking through the corridor, there's always a story to tell. And I think the storytelling of that doco was, was, um, was, was incredibly written by Neil Kearney. So... That's, uh, that's pretty much where it all came from and how it all came together. And it was an incredible team to work with. And there were so many more people that helped out along the way to get it off the track because they knew it was going to be something special and something that, you know, maybe halfway through COVID we thought we might not get the end to. And it was quite looking that way, but there was, yeah, quite a few hands that helped out towards the end to get it across the line. Unbelievable answer. But I'm, I was just like, lost to what to say. No, I, I was, was going to say this. Is, today, yeah. No, not rambling at all. Like, I was being, <laughs> like, that genuinely very well answered. I think we could take it in so many directions, but like, I don't know. My head's just straight away going to like being the video producer I am, but like the footage that doesn't get seen because I've always thought that like 
when you produce a documentary, you must have so many, like if you've set like an hour and a half, like you said, uh, your time sort of, that's what you wanted to go out with. I just feel like you could make literally like five more documentaries. Is that like frustrating or is that just something you cherish in, internally being like, how good is this? Like I'm one of yeah. the only people that <laughs> have seen it. <laughs> it is. It's quite hard because I, I I would love to just, I would love for every Eskimo fan to see Jack Jones's first minute he walked into the door to when he walked out and telling his whole Essendon story from the day he walked into the football club to him doing the tours around the football club. And, you know, I think they will end up seeing the light of the day. I think that's what's, we're very fortunate that we got all those people and we, I don't know if you follow Essendon's content closely, but if there's a Hall of Fame event or if someone's inducted, you know, we've got, you know, James Heard talking about Dick Reynolds or we've got, um, you know, we've got, uh, Matthew Lloyd talking about what it was like in a forward line with Lucas that didn't necessarily make the doc go, but if there's, I'm sure there'll be the right time where you can use that vision and bring that together. So I think eventually most of the, most of the content will will be seen. Um, I think the documentary highlighted the best parts of what was spoken about, but as you said, like there is so much that will never ever see the light of day. And, And I guess that's the thing about video content, right? Like think about how many times you capture things, in the can and they just they just don't mm. see the light of day and you wish you could you wish you could show it all but unfortunately um it's just it's just not the way you might not be able to answer this it, but can you yep. can you sorry jules can you show it like can you like upload it to the, your website is there a reason you can't this is probably not uh, so you can answer nah, sorry. <laughs> i think we could i, I think we could i i mean i i think i think you know, definitely down the track, you could do a feature piece on each each one of these these people. But I feel like just them sitting in front of a green scene, while it was very impressive, uncut footage isn't that appealing in this day and age, especially with yeah. you know TikTok capital, where they've they've expanded their show their um length to ten minutes. Ten minutes. Now. But yeah. Short content, short snappy content is the best way to go. We all know that now. I feel like the world didn't learn off Vine. Um, they basically <laughs> paved the way and then everyone just wanted longer stuff and now it's back to going back to how short. Now they're going long again. So um, I feel like snappy content is the best way to go and I feel like, Bucks, you, you, you should know that more, more than me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh, I know. Nah. I was curious about your long form piece. Nah, stuff I feel like I can ask good. about yeah. it next time. <laughs> <laughs> No, Barks is just all talking about this eight and a half minute Blake Griffin documentary that he put together eight, on YouTube. If anyone wants to hard. watch it, 90, minute. 90, 90 minutes. minutes. Oh, it's minutes. an hour and a half. It gets it's longer every time. <laughs> it's equivalent to Ben's masterpiece. Anyway, that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's crazy. 90 minutes is edited. <laughs> that's like In seven con- years of like, chronological <laughs> Well done. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I think every like football fan or content person would have really enjoyed that last answer, Ben, Um, especially Essence supporters. But strip away the actual documentary because you did a lot of work with the branding of the whole 150-year project. Um, Your brand's now on the jumper which is awesome. It's all over your social media, over your digital channels. What was that? When you sat down, what were you looking to achieve when you started designing that 150 year look and feel and brand? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's quite a, it, it goes back to what I was saying. I'm glad that I learned 
very early on that whatever you do, you make sure you do it within the best interest of the football club. And while I very easily could have just taken this that opportunity to design our logo and, and say, this is this is my this is the best piece I'll ever work on in my life. So um, I'm just going to do it the way I wanted to do. The, at the forefront of my mind was the football club's best interest, and I sat. I once I was told the opportunity was there to do it. Um, and if I had had done a good enough job, then an agency might not be needed. And if you know the board and exec and, and fans were happy, then we'll, we'll run with it. So um, I sat down. Well, basically, I did my own research at the very beginning of <clears throat> where our logos are and and what logos we do have. Um, and then I sat down with our historian Gregor. Uh, McCaskey at the time okay, and I was sitting we went down into the uh the museum storage and uh we got out all of our past logos I got out letterheads from 1800s like I got logos that hadn't even seen the light of day I found out that logos necessarily weren't a logo like they are these days back then it was like whatever they felt looked good on the letterhead that that week they would put on there so the Essendon the Essendon sort of embroidered logo sort of switched up a fair bit from the early 1900s to the 1920s 30s and it's probably only around about the 50s that it actually started to become sort of there was one logo that they used across, you know, um, player contracts, uh, annual reports, um, you know, photos and those sort of things. So it was sort of like a, a, a blank canvas in a way, but what I, what I wanted to do, and I spoke to Gregor about this, as I said, I think the, and it wasn't necessarily the safest way, but it, I thought the best way to represent the football club is creating a, a logo that represented all of our logos across their time. Um, but each logo that's used within that had a had an importance to the era. So, you know, one of the logos that are in the 150th emblem that's made up together was like one of the logos that was on Coleman's first contract. And then the shield was used in our commemorative 125 years. Um, there's a nice little nod there to the retro 90 bombs logo, which is a it's just a fan favorite of most of us, and it's still on um, it's still on uh, apparel these days. Uh, and then the reef from our very early on uh, 1910 logo and um, the funnily enough there was a font that I found that I used that was identical to a font that we used in the 1870s so that also made it to our logo too so um, all of those things sort of coming together there was a few options and then it obviously went to the board and exec and and made sure that everyone was happy and, and there was a logo that we found that represented the, the club's history and and the logos does, isn't going to replace the, the the traditional bomber plane it's only going to be at there for a year so um it's just a nice logo to look back on um and hopefully that our fans can have a great year celebrating 150th year it's not it's not just about you know what happens on field and stuff this year it's it's uh it's very exciting year to be part of the football club um you know there's going to be so many events that are coming up and, and those sort of things too where all fans can get involved so we just hope i just hope that they can look back at that logo and they can remember the, the 150th year for that reason and create a nice little collector's item those you know those guernseys and stuff are going to have a logo that's only there one off and, and those sort of things too and i know a lot of a lot of SM fans are collectors and uh yeah that's that that's sort of how the logo came and shaped together. So it was absolutely packing Dax when the, the logo got um, not necessarily leaked, but a few people saw the logo on Channel 7 and stuff, and I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't reading the comments because I just wanted to – I felt like I just wanted to do the right thing for the football club. It wasn't necessarily about me, um, but fortunately enough, the feedback was relatively good. When did you kind of settle in um, 
like know that you've done the right thing based on that? Um, I feel like once I put the three concepts together um, and I handed it over to the exec and board, um, and sorry, I forgot to mention this too, we created a 150th year um, subcommittee. So that was Kevin Sheedy, Dustin Fletcher, Dan Eddy was on there, Gregor McCaskey, myself, Justin Rodsky at the time. Um, and they sort of made sure that whatever we did for 150, if we're doing it right, and, and Barry Capuano was on there, sorry, also he was past players, um, was one of, he's one of our past players, but also the head of past players association. Um, they all loved it. They said it fit the club perfectly. And I thought that that was, that was sort of when I felt like I did something right and I did it for the club and I did it for the right reasons. Um, and you know, I was fishing for feedback and I was like, are you sure there's anything you got me to change? Am I missing something? And Gregor was also happy with the way it, it came out as well. And, and he knows our history better than anyone I know, or, you know, most people as well. So, um, I felt like, you know, that the logo represented quite well. So that was when I sort of knew that it was, it was good. So awesome. They also like the level of detail you guys went to, to produce something new that was so based in history though. Um, and like changing the logo of a club, even if it's for one year in AFL yeah. is That's no small feat. Like yeah, that nice. doesn't happen. <laughs> no, like when Carlton no. wanted to get rid of their 3D on their monogram, like yeah. that was the biggest thing ever. And that's just removing shading. Yeah. Like it's not changing the whole <laughs> it thing. It is. It's massive. And it, in, and it's not only, you know, like a lot of people won't know this, but it's not, it's not something you just do in November and then December you show your logo. It's something that you have to do a good year and a half out um, to make sure that it's across the right apparel and those sort of things and across your membership cards and all that sort of stuff. So you're right. It's not an easy process, um, but yeah, fortunately, you know, I hope we did it for the right reason. And, and I think I think it will represent the 150th year really well. I think you've definitely done the right thing. It's a beautiful logo. Everything you've Thanks. done for the 150 years, I can't say that, 150th year celebrations <laughs> yeah. um, so far has been amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes out. Um, you should be really proud of everything that you've done there. Um, nice one, um, one final note on that one. Oh, Jules, you yeah. probably remember when... Um, when Carlton linked up with Puma for the first time, our launch video, I, yeah. I went back and looked at all the old Carlton logos to see how they're aligned with the Puma logos. And we sort of ended up showing a bit of a timeline of the two logos. And um, I was just going to touch on that. It is very interesting to see, like a lot of people obviously think that a logo is a big thing, but it's quite interesting to see how it actually develops over time and how that can represent like the whole Carlton football club. But um, end question to that, were there any inverted logos? In the history, <laughs> not letting you know. Funnily enough, even the 1800s and early 1900s, they got the uh, key line situation down. <laughs> You're fucking so. kidding! Just the jewels thing. That's it. From now on, I'm going to bring inverted <laughs> logos in as a trend. You're going to say, it. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's the new photography. Yeah. Going to watch this space. You know what? If you could ever get that through your like your brand, your head of brand or your content creators, because Carlton have an incredible tight hold on their brand, I feel like it's very consistent. So if you can sneak a reverse logo in any post, <laughs> I'll forever be your biggest fan. <laughs> I'll try and find one. I'll try and sneak yeah. one in. Ah, yeah. If you're listening, yeah. don't listen. We're, we're not going to do it. <laughs> um. I reckon that's enough about the serious stuff. We've been going for about an hour. So let's wrap up with some fan questions. And you've got a lot of fans. I, I we get... feel like this is loaded. <laughs> no, before <laughs> we get into the serious ones, 
we've got one from our good friend chunky holzer um hottest haircut in the west um (laughs) he has asked why did you choose the name sam mcclure as your journalism alias that is that's a that's a horrible question. If that actually came from Frankie, <laughs> it it's <is>. right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Uh, well, over here. Here. Yeah, obviously <laughs> myself and Sam McClure look a lot alike. Uh, I get that quite often and I don't think Sam would get that quite often too. <laughs> oh, you're looking at that guy that did the hundred and fifty next question. I've got a personal one. Um, you did a podcast with, um, a couple of Western legends and was it James Heard, Joe Watson? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. How the hell did Xavier Campbell work his way into that duo (laughs) as being an Essendon legend? (laughs) And also how big was his head after he did that? This is the Essendon CEO, yeah, by no okay. means an so Essendon I'm legend. Clearly gonna, I'm going to answer this professionally, Jules, and I know you want way I'll more out it, than what I'm going to give you. Uh, it was actually another one of Dave Barham's brainchilds where he said um, our fans obviously are struggling now. They don't have the opportunity to, you know, we don't have the opportunity to create content as, as, as much as we can or whatever, and we, you know, one thing we, we do take on at the football club is trying to be as transparent as possible and, Dave said it'd be great um, teeing up Zav and, and Herdy um, and we just want to just speak to fans and just hear what they have to say and, and we'll, we'll talk about what we're trying to do at the football club to make sure that we get out of COVID well. And I felt like the podcast, it was literally organised within a couple of weeks and it was sort of pulling the pieces together. You know, we were all working from home and it was just one of those challenges that you'll probably look back on and think like how you know how did you get through COVID and that was one of them so um yeah. I don't you'll have to personally message Sam and ask how he felt like he went on the, conf- on the podcast but I, I thought he went incredibly well and I thought um every podcast needs a host and I think he did well but uh Herdy was incredible too he was uh you know there was there was a couple of stories that you know, you know probably didn't really make the air after, but there was a couple of fans that called in that were really struggling and, and Herdy went out there and dropped some groceries off to them personally. So obviously it did it did what it was supposed to do. Um, and it was supposed to, you know, give our fans some transparency and just, you know, help them through. And, you know, here, I, can't, I mean, I, I don't know if this is going to come across bad, but, you know, it's sometimes when you hear people are struggling as bad as you or anything like that, it sort of puts it in perspective that, you know, everyone's going through something, you know, as well. And we all sort of went through that and that's what working through when um, that's what working through it sort of wanted to go out to achieve. And, and I think it achieved that really well. It's a very, yeah, human, absolutely. very human thing, I think. And I was going to touch on before you actually made a nice end to that question is Al Stewart in there with, you said media manager is Al Stewart. Cause that was a very media answer. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> got some so, while, while Jules has um, us in his ear, I've got Elle Stewart in my radio and she's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, cool, <laughs> cool it down. I feel like Jules has teamed me up to NYS and career if he wants me to rip into the poor city <laughs> of the football club. Nah, tell him he sucks. It's all good. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll take the next one, Jules. Um, oh, are you done with your joke ones? Oh, it was a serious one. It was submitted. Oh, sorry. We had one joke one. Um, if I didn't get quick... one serious one, I'd be flat. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one's sort of serious. Um, when you're working with a blank canvas for a graphic, a, a graphic design, um, 
how much of it is honestly a bit of luck and randomness? Like, is do you have a method or is because like for someone I've never designed graphics as part of a job, is a lot of it just sort of well, yeah, is there random and luck to it? Or is yeah, that disrespectful to the craft? Nah, you're right. It's it's quite crazy. There is a, there is a sense of luck, but it's also, um, you know, it depends on what you like. If you're designing a logo or something, my first instinct is just get a pen and paper out because that's what I did when I was younger and I was creative and I'd just scribble ideas or, you know, like if I'm looking to create a logo, my first initial instinct is using letters of the business name. So if I was, example, designing a logo for Julian's name, I write Julian and see if I can link some stuff together or, you know, tie an end to a, you know, the A or, or, you know, two circles and stuff. So that was, that's one thing how I would go out about designing a logo. Um, I think it's so crazy. Like as a designer, like you follow so many different designers and you follow designer brands and content pieces and all those sort of things. So you're just constantly being fed with ideas and you sometimes you're just sort of like regurgitating that on Photoshop and then going out there and, and changing it and, and following design trends and <clears throat> those sort of things. So I feel like that's sort of how it happens. Um, well, that's how it happened for me anyway. Um, but one thing I used to like to do towards probably like maybe when I did end up um, being the head of design and brand is sort of set a tone at the start of the year. And that's probably where you, you start like your big brainstorm of what you want the SM football club brand to look like for a year. And then you sort of just tailor off that and then, you know, add a little bit of, add some elements every now and then and those sort of things. So um, that's how I sort of went about it towards the end is I probably went one way too far strict brand and, and sort of lost my creative sort of side of things. Um, but that's, that's how I would approach um, a blank canvas. I like that tone. I like that tone point. Do you have like an example of like for the listeners, like what would an example of a tone be that you could set for entire season? Like not yours right now, but like what type of yeah. things are you talking about? Yeah. So obviously, you know, like you probably, when I, when I was working, when I was the head of design, I basically set out a, a font suite that we're going to use for the whole year. So that instantly ties a lot of design together because the font's just consistent. Um, obviously, and you guys would know it's it's very challenging working in a football club because uh, we only have red and black. The second we introduce white, it's St. Kilda. Um, yeah, Ben, ben Lawson touched on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, it is, it's a nightmare. Um, and they they are colors that are great. Like I love the red and black, but uh from a design sense, they there is no bright color in there. So to to add brightness to your to your thing, it's it's incredibly challenging. So you have to use like light assets and those sort of things. So you, you have like your light assets and, and your different types of, you know, whether you want like a scrunched up paper background sort of feel, you, you sort of set that at the start of the year and use those elements to make up uh, a re-signing or anything like that. So you've used your fonts, you've used your thing, your, you, um, Ben Moss is incredible at this. And this is something that um, I sort of took off Benny is that his photography, um, not filters, what would I say? It's probably a smaller, like he's, touching up of images is incredible and he has a unique style of that and if you strip away everything in the background that Benny does when he designs you'll see that the way he filters his players is incredibly consistent so that's something that he takes on at the start of the year and then rolls out through and sort of whatever happens in the background or at the foreground sort of creates that continuity um, and you add a, add a font that you use all the time or a shine that you're using every time and you know all those little holographic stickers that he uses they that sort of ties all that brand together so that's sort of how I'd go about it. Um, there's some years that I've basically gone and, you know, I think there was, it was the year we signed Dylan Shield. I can't remember. Um, 
when exactly that was, but that year it was very plain red and black, just red, black, simple, players, the hero, um, fonts, and that sort of thing of secondary sort of element. Um, and then there's other years where you go, well, it's, I don't want to focus the player anymore. It's about group shots and those sort of things. So that's sort of how, um, that's how I think you could, you know, grab those assets and, and roll those out through the year. Such a good answer. That's probably the best answer to a fan question we've had in yeah. a while. Darren, nah, I hope you like that. Nah, nah, just pumping you up so you don't bring up the inverted graphic again. Um, <laughs> it's going to hold you. Uh, <laughs> one thing I'm, like to finish I'm actually going to go back to that. Yeah, yeah don't. If you do that, I'll, bring, that. I'll start bringing up some of the photos that I have yes, yeah, that I've got yeah. from over the years. So yeah. but they're, they're, that's that's personal. This is, <laughs> this is this is related to content. This is what not to do. It's like, all content. You know. It's all content. Um one that we'd like to finish on, Benny. Um and given that you've had so long in the industry and you've got so much experience, what do you think is going to be big in content or oh. design or digital in twenty twenty two? If it isn't already, um, I don't know, this is, I feel like everyone's probably answered this, but I feel like it's definitely not the last time we're ever going to hear of NAT, NFTs or anything mm -hmm. that's related to that in terms of content, but more so how sporting clubs will take that on and take it to the next level. Obviously, they already have in, in, in the US, and it's incredible, but, um, you know, it's, I, I just feel like there's a space there for NFTs or that digital currency um, in the, the NFT world. Um, and I feel like we're only sort of starting to see some interesting ways. I mean, obviously it's taken a big hit in the last couple of months, um, just with the way crypto sort of goes up and down. Um, but I think once NFTs settle and they sort of find their own place, I feel like football clubs or sporting clubs in general will, uh, will definitely grab into the grab into the NFT space. And, and I think there's some exciting opportunities there. Um, yeah, I feel like that's the first thing that comes to my head. It's a consistent and I'm sure that's the answer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do any NFTs, Barks. So before you go and promise everyone that we've got an NFT up on the, or like up our sleeve or something, go fuck yourself. One, We're not doing one it. Day, one day before we started recording an episode, Ben, I, I just in casual conversation, I'm like, you know what, Jules? And it wasn't serious at all. I'm like, you know what, Jules? We should, we should create an NFT. And then since that day, it's become a sensitive thing every time it comes up that I'm going to put in out in Because the last time you said that, it was NFT. like, oh, we should make a T-shirt. And then before you know it, You've I still haven't sent Bradley <laughs> Holt his T-shirt. He's sitting in our <laughs> inbox. I still haven't sent it off. Is that Bradley Holt, the uh, water boy? Yeah, water boy, Bradley Holt. One of the greatest Holt, water sorry. boys of all time. Yeah. Um, if Essendon friends. In, in, all, in all seriousness, though, if you are interested in creating NFTs, I'll, I'll, I'll dig up that uh, inverted logo. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on that note. <laughs> He's, I'd actually he's like upset. to say, if you can find it, let's, okay, uh, let's get it out. Yeah. Me too. I clearly, it was, it was the North Melbourne uh, inverted unkey lines, just plain blue logo on a. Um, he remembers it. It's <laughs> how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah. Detail. I'll find it. Um, let's wrap this up. Ben, you've, you've been a mate of mine for a while, but like, 
this has been really fun to hear you talk about your job and your role and how it's developed over the years. Um, and I think there's plenty of insight for a lot of people, whether you're starting off in the industry or whether you're further along your journey and looking for some new ideas or how to diversify or diversify your skills. Um, and you're a good example of how you stay fresh in the industry and, and progress. So thanks a lot for um, putting up with about an hour and a half of technical difficulties, <laughs> um, sticking through the stream and, and joining us on this Tuesday night. I appreciate that a lot, mate. Very kind words, but uh, on, on the same sort of path as that, like obviously it was great, incredibly incredible working with you, but this, uh, this podcast is great and I think it's growing really and it's, I actually enjoy listening to it. Um, I don't listen to many podcasts, but this one is definitely one of them. I'm not just saying that because I'm on it, but uh, <laughs> keep up the good work, guys. It's like really good. I think it's a really nice, it's like a fresh a fresh way to actually, you know, and obviously you have some, have had some international guests, but, you know, the Australian sort of sporting design creative content scene are, are making their mark and, and I think this is an important step to making sure that that does happen. So, well done to you too as well. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you, mate. Um, to our eight concurrent viewers. Put on eight. Uh, thank going you. On. Thanks for tuning thank in, you for Don't, tuning don't be disheartened in. by that number. <laughs> no. Um, it's, my, it's my mom on her laptop iPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually us. It's us. Pauline, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Shout out, Pauline. <laughs> no, it's been a good experience. And, and, and shouts to you, Jules. You got us up and running. And I know there were a few times that you were a bit worried, but we got there. So shouts to you. Boss of the week for can, me. Can I just say, I'm glad we've made it through this entire stream without either of you noticing that I didn't change the name guest in the graphic to Ben. I, I, I did, but I thought you purpose. I thought that was on purpose. Nah, I just forgot. Anyway, <laughs> if you if you had put Sam McCool, I would have been upset. <laughs> <laughs> Scoop. Thank you, everyone. Um, enjoy your evenings. We'll be back next week. Bye.